Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. RLPA, the NRL, she's coming to Log Airs, boys. Now, we did say quite a while ago before all of this kicked off that this was a genuine possibility. We, you know, we, we discussed how you would start beginning to see stories come out that painted certain parties in certain lights. And look, this is all a part of rugby league. It's, it's been like this, what, for at least of the modern era of rugby league, it's been like this where people have got certain agendas and rightly so, like, for example, the NRL's agenda or their, I guess... Agendas are almost like a toxic word, but their their goal is to their shareholders. It's about making as much money as possible. They're a business. Every business is trying to make as much money as possible. Whereas the players, their obviously loyalty is to their working environment to make sure that they get taken care of as much as possible. So both, um, that's the tough thing about this situation right now is you've got two different parties that hopefully will have the same incentive. Um, at the moment don't now you could make the argument happy employees makes a more productive environment um, to create more money and there actually have been studies shown that the, the the happier your employees are at work the more productive they are um, but then there's also the old school thinking of like no you've got to watch every penny you've got to try, try to make as much profit as possible uh, but basically we've gotten to a point where NRL players and clubs are refu- not doing uh, NRL promo. So basically, NRL usually goes around uh, and takes photos, videos, all that kind of stuff in preparation for the new season. It's actually surprisingly... Like, does it sound like an important thing? It's actually a really important thing because mm-hmm. it's all the content you see when tries are scored on the team, all, the, all that stuff. For the stuff. next 30 weeks. For the next... Yeah. yeah, the whole season. So it's not not important. It's not just like little interviews where you go and go, hey, how you going? This is like the foundation for the rest of the, the season. Yeah. And it's not like you can use content from last year. No. Jerseys change, sponsors change, everything. So, uh, yeah, obviously, media arrived at um, Shark Park the other day. Mm. Wade Graham, being the strong leader he is, mm. came out and said, "Not today." Yeah, so, you know the players are united for you know from, from talking to you know obviously we're not former players you can talk about it more but from talking to some former players over the last week or so like they're more united than what they ever have been. Oh, easily, by a easily. Lot. And I think that's what the the perspective that you know us as fans probably doesn't see enough of just how united the players are at the moment. Mm. And I think like people may think, oh. 
uh, like this is just players, I guess, being greedy or whatever. And fair enough if you have that opinion. But it's actually when you listen to what the players are saying, the reason for this reaction is that the CBA compared to the last CBA, some of it's gone backwards. And that's why you've seen this drastic reaction. I honestly think that like if the CBA was essentially the same, I don't think you would see as much of a a drastic, I guess, reaction. And when I say the same, I'm talking about percentages. Like some people may look at the numbers and go, well, it's increased 25% or whatever, but you've got to look at like, what's the percentage of the revenue do they earn Mm -hmm. rather than the figure um, because they're they're responsible for, well, mostly responsible for the revenue generated. Um, And at the moment, it's looking like a lot of it's gone backwards outside of the cap as well. The cap's not even the main focus at the moment. A lot of the players are, you know, almost saying like, it's not even really about the salary cap. It's about a bunch of other things, which we'll get into. But Timmy, thoughts on the whole situation, mate? Yeah, I, I love what the players have come out and done and just being completely transparent to the public and the general footy fan, mm. because it, it's a deep, it's a deep conversation it's a deep debate with so much to it on both sides and the average NRL fan you know you can do a bit of reading up on it but it's hard to understand and make an informed opinion on uh, of it all and what the players association have come out and done during the week is you know literally in tiles on across all their social media channels said this is what we want this is why we want it Mm. and they couldn't have made it any clearer to the average fan you go right, we can we can support what the players are after what they're why this is happening uh, and you sort of sit there and go, oh, it all sort of makes sense to us. That's coming from their side. Now I'd love to see the NRL, and I know it's hard, but the NRL come out and do similar and say, all right, they've said this. This is why we're standing strong and why we're, as you said, Campy, they've got their, their stakeholders that they need to look after with their revenue and whatnot. So let's make it completely transparent to the fans, and, mm. and then we can make our own informed opinion about which team do we support or which side do we support, I suppose. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's brewing into something big if it isn't already. Um, and I, I love the approach the Players Association took during the week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think that, like, I would like to see, as you just said, I want to see the NRL's reasons for why they aren't agreeing to what the, the players are looking for. Whereas at the moment, the NRL, we've only really seen kind of, like, vague headlines with, like, you know, quotes here and there and leaked information. You know, if you, if you put out a real clear response to this from the NRL going, this is why we don't do the medical support fund. This is why we aren't doing better turns for vulnerable players. Then it gives the fans an opportunity to go, as you said, make an informed decision of going, I agree with the NRL. I don't think that they should do it. Or going, hang on a sec, like that doesn't make any sense. I I think the players are fairly or rightly so asking for it. Um, So let's get into what the players want. So the players want so basically the, the gist I get, and it hasn't been agreed to, so there's been no well, I don't think there's been any like formal agreement at all in regards to salary cap um, especially when uh, when it was announced last year like there was absolutely I don't like any agreement in regards not even verbal or whatever but this, this is what the players have come out and said they want they want a new medical support fund and they say why because players are excluded from workers compensation legislation in the current CBA we only have 12 months to have any surgeries and re- rehabilitation paid for that will help fix the injuries suffered during the careers the players want the game's first medical support fund to ensure post-NRL and NRLW players can have these surgeries covered well into retirement. I think this is very reasonable. You know, I think this is... When you look at a normal job, if you are injured on the job, you're, everything is paid for, and you're, if you can't work anymore, like huge payouts, all that kind of stuff. Now, I understand the NRL is in a different environment because like the risk of injury is like basically guaranteed. 
but for only 12 months, and I'll just use myself as an example. I'm not even a bad, you know, and, and I'm not complaining at all, guys. I'm not just saying, oh, the inner, rah, rah. I'm just giving you an example. Um, like I didn't get my nose fixed in the first 12 months. So like I've got a deviated septum because I broke it so many times. Now that's my own fault. I should have got it fixed. Like you can get that fixed in the first 12 months. So, but I'm just saying like, it is still an injury that I suffered. Um, lately I've been going for a lot of runs. My knee is, is like, it's slowly blowing up due to the repetition of like um, runs that I'm doing. And that all stems from a medial tear that I did in 2010. And so this is just little things from me. This isn't, this isn't other guys like Andrew Fafita. You know, if you go to the RLPA's Instagram, there's stories from uh, Joe Nullivale. He tells how like 12 months to sort out like every injury you have. Like what if you need a full ACL done, you need a clean out on your shoulder, all of these things, they take time. Plus, things do pop up. They take longer than 12 months to rear their ugly head. For example, if you quit footy and you stop exercising and then you start running, you know, 14 months later and, the, and an injury that you suffered during footy, you know, completely blows up or whatever. Um, now, I don't, I don't think that they should have the rest of their lives to, to do the surgery, but I think a much more reasonable time frame than 12 months. What do you reckon about this, this, this specific request? First of all, I don't even know if uh, the NRL could save the beak to squat. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're saying you're no. fixed, I've got to ask some questions. Uh, mate, beyond saving. <laughs> beyond saving. Can't breathe through one side, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to me, this sounds like a bit of a no-brainer. Obviously, as Timmy said, we want to hear the NRL side of it. But, um, you know, like I remember, I, I, even when I was younger, like we used to go away on holidays and there used to be a player from the Parramatta Eels in like the 80s. And, like, I remember him even, like he, he couldn't, when we used to go down to the beach or whatever, he, he used to have to stand on the grass. He mm. couldn't get on the sand because he wouldn't be able to fucking get off it because yeah. his knees were just so gone. And, like, I mean, the game has changed so much since then. I, I can't imagine, you know, the, the guy like, – and you're getting so many guys now that are playing 200-plus first-grade games. I don't know how their bodies are hanging together at the end of it. Crazy. Crazy. And I don't think anyone's expecting – like, uh, there may be some that are sitting there going, you're playing rugby league. This is part of the, the gig. But it's like, yeah, for sure. But, like, in any working place, if you get injured on the, on the job – you're yeah. compensated and taken care of. Um, and, you know, there could be the argument that you could say, well, they still get their contract money, but they were going to get that if they played well anyway. So that's, mm. you can't really say, oh, they're going to they get their contract money anyways, because like, but that's what they were going to get if they played the whole year anyway. And you think back over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, we've had a lot of really talented players, their careers have been cut short by injury, and then they've sort of just been left out in the cold, essentially. And, you know, so many fans, there's so much uproar every time one of those stories comes out. That's what the players are fighting for here. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I, I'm not. I don't think that it should be like whenever over your whole lifetime you did a surgery on set. I think that there should be some, you know, time limit put on it. Going like a good, fair, reasonable like issues that you have. You know, even if they set up a system where as they're retiring they get a full checkup, a full scan, then they can identify. Okay, you need this, this, and this, and 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 get time to. What do you think about it, Timmy? Yeah, look, uh, the listeners and viewers, I suppose, will probably find this hard to believe, but I too have broken my nose a few times. <laughs> and, uh, and, mate, I, I, can, uh, I can resonate with you on that one, Kempi, and it's busted my nose about eight times playing footy and every time I wanted to get it fixed and straightened up, the olders are telling me the same thing, like, no, 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 you, you've got to wait till, yeah. till the, when you stop playing sort of thing because there's no point you're just going to break it again. And yep. 
sitting there and they're sort of saying to me, mate, your, your nose is in three different postcodes at the same time. But <laughs> it's like, you're going to have to wait. You have to wait. So that's longer than 12 months. And it's only one small thing, but it's true. Like mm. you go and you're going to break it again. So it's not an injury you'd get fixed during your career. Mm. I know that's such a minute example of, you know, the whole, what we're talking about. But there has to be an increase on that 12-month period. And yeah. I'm, I'm quite stunned that there hasn't been already. I understand why, you know, footballers, the position they're putting se- themselves in that they're not eligible for workers' comp. So that the NRL has to have a medical fund for these players yeah. that goes beyond 12 months. Now, again, really interested in to, as to hear why the NRL don't have it longer than 12 months at, this, at the moment. And I suppose it's probably around them saying... You know, how do you, how do you as an NRL, former NRL player, prove that this injury was sustained in the NRL yeah. and why should we have to pay for every injury you have after your career and that? Yeah. So I guess, you know, maybe this um, comes to fruition at the end where every little injury, if it isn't already, is recorded into a book. And yeah. so that then after their career, they go back and say, June 2022, you did your ankle, you're getting surgery on the same spot. I don't know. Yeah. But, mate, like, I think for longevity... So you've got to care about the players after the game. That's not to say the NRL don't, but they have to extend that, don't they? I think they, they surely do. And look, it, I guarantee you, I bet you any money that there are some players that went out and played bush footy and then they would, they would try and game the system. So we are not totally like the players are angels mm. and no one would game the system. I'm assuming that's what the NRL is worried about. That would have to be their concern. That would have to be their concern. And it's a valid it's concern. Yeah. yeah, It's a fair concern. So we're not sitting here going, players are angel, angels and they'll just be honest or whatever. If you're a player that's retired, you don't have much money, you get done and you do your knee in bush footy and, you know, whatever time and you've got to pay 20 grand or whatever it is to do it and you can't afford it, you may feel the pinch to... to to lie and say you did it during, during your career. Now, I think that every injury is recorded, at least now, for sure. Um, so we understand where the NRL is coming on with that. Like, you don't want the system gamed. That's where I think, like, if they set up a system where you get full scans before you leave, like mm. full scans upon retirement, like almost the day after, send them straight in, full scans, then you sit down. Because, like, I even think the whole retirement process needs to be rejigged as it is. Like, they do try. People that think the NRL just, like, like, don't get me wrong, every, every business sometimes isn't perfect, but the NRL do try to an extent with their, their easing out of players. But I think retiring players that have been, that should just go through like almost a, a two-week or even longer, whatever the time is, kind of like letting go period. If you, if, so everything is set in place where like the NRL tick all the boxes, let the player know it's all recorded of like, we showed the player that they can call us anytime. We showed the player the scans. We showed the player the plan in regards to the surgeries. Um, you know, so we understand that side of things from the NRL for sure. But yeah, I do think it has to be more than 12 months. Like, I'm just going to throw a random number out, but like, what, three years is surely, three yeah. years. Like, that seems like a fair At time. a minimum, three seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Now, the argument from the player's perspective could be, well, if I've got a bunch of surgeries that put me out of work for those three years... Mm. How do I, you know, I want to stagger them over 10 years because then I can actually afford yep. to miss work or whatever. But those are the negotiation things that they'll do at a table. Um, now, the next one, better terms for the most vulnerable players. Because the average NRL career is less than 45 games, making your way into the NRL and building a career is tough. You need to be supported to make it happen. Players need better training wages, better minimum salaries, more contracts, more contract certainty, match fees, transition benefits, all to support players, but specifically middle and lower income earners. Now, this one, this one is, I think, a little bit more up in the air in the sense of like, 
I do think like the minimum should be increased, but I also think, and this is, I think any, any workforce would be fighting for this, like better, better term, like better uh, an agreement. But I do think that there is a site, an argument to be made where, well, you choosing to go into this field. So you are aware that that's going to put you back in normal career life. So although I do want to see a, a, an increase, I, I would actually much rather, even though we aren't, you aren't going to be allowed to do it because then clubs would blow up, I'd much rather there be a cap on the top tier and more of that money go down to the bottom tier. For example, I'd love... Mm. Now, that, that, that hurts the market in the sense of like a lower tier club then couldn't go and offer someone 1.4 million um, and it makes it really hard to get players. So I understand that it's a very nuanced argument, but I, I do believe that that lower tier... I would rather more money go there, but I also understand the NRL and fans, some fans that say it's a choice. Like you're choosing to play rugby league. You're aware of the wages. You're aware of the fact that you will be at a disadvantage when you do quit or if you never make it. Um, what do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, I, I understand, you know, both sides of the argument that you brought up there. Like even just having a look at, you know, it's like some of the junior systems at the moment, like some of the sacrifices some of these 18, 19 year olds are making. Mm. Like there's, there's guys that are in like Sydney teams at the moment that are driving from Bathurst to training and going home and doing it three times a week. Like none of them are able to keep down full time jobs whilst mm. they're doing it. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So I, I see both sides. And realistically, you know, even if the minimum does go up, I think in 10 years' time, they'd be silly not to try and up it again. Yeah, for sure. As would every single industry. Every industry, you're trying to look after your, your, your fringes. Well, it's funny you say that. Ten, uh, 19 years ago now was the 2003 Playboy court, and that was all surrounded by, like, the, the main, like, reason for that boycott was around minimum payments as well. Yeah. So, they, 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 it was more like the, not increasing the minimum wage, it was more like the scheduling of the minimum payments. Like, apparently, they didn't get paid... They got paid at the end of the season or something. It was something really crazy like that. Yeah. So you're right. Like, obviously, we've come a long way, but as the salary cap increased, like, for example, I was watching a show yesterday, Rugby League 2007. The salary cap was only $4 million in 2007. Yeah. So, like, obviously, it's a good point you make. The minimum wage will always be a contentious call. Yeah. But it shows you that without these situations, I'm not saying we definitely would have still been in that situation, but... That's what progress is. You look at 2003 and you go, what, paid at the end of the year or whatever it was, and all of us go, what the hell is that? I mean, even even me, for example, like, so I was training full time, but I was on like 25, 30 grand. And so like, I'm, a full, I'm, I'm not paid as a full-time employee, but I'm a full-time employee. Now I was okay with it and I'm still okay with it because I understand sacrifices need to be made <laughs> if you want to achieve something great. But in a perfect world, how great would it have been if I was paid 50 grand and was training full time because they'd not be being compensated fairly. But again, I, I'm like on the fence with this one in regards to, there has to be a, a, a give and take in regards. You have to know that you are sacrificing. Like you're trying to do something great. It's not going to be easy. Now, perfect world, everyone gets compensated fairly for sure. But there has to be a give and take. What do you reckon about this one, Tink? It's a really interesting one, isn't it? I'm a bit the same as you, Kempi. I'm a little on the fence. Initially, when it popped up, and it's a, a sort of a feeling I've had for a while, that, all right, let's particularly these development players outside the top 25, there's normally, you know, five to ten of them maybe. It might have been be just the five who train full-time, and they're the players you need to think, all right, if we could bump their minimum wage up a little bit because they don't have the time to certainly not lock down a full-time job. If they can do a part-time job on top of it, you know, that's a big week. Yeah. 
Uh, but at the same time, you're right, mate. Like any job in the world, you make sacrifices and you take chances. And they know that by trying to get a career in the NRL where the upside is, you know, millions of dollars, that it may not work out. And for most players, it won't work out. And I don't know. Like, um, Look, think of an apprentice. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. I, like, I, when I was 20 years old, I went and did a, a three-month internship, mm. unpaid. Yeah. Was that guaranteed to result in a job no it wasn't mm-hmm. was the pay good no there was no pay it's like yeah. it's shit yeah. so they're getting paid to have a crack at something and it's like you know part of me says that's part of life and you take your chances to to get greater opportunities down the track um so while yes i think that there's room to to bump up the minimum wage a little bit particularly for the the, the development players another part of me says you know what you we all make decisions and we all take chances yeah for sure and and again there could be argument against that saying, well, in your position, you were building to a career that could last 50 years. Mm. Whereas these guys are building towards a, lot, a career that may last on average, like 42 games, that's what, two seasons. But I'm kind of with you, Timmy. It's like, you want the glory. You, you want that, I'm a rugby league player. I made NRL. Mm. Like, for example, no money could, you couldn't pay me any amount of money to take away the fact that I fucking played NRL. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So like that intangible value that you're striving for requires sacrifice. It requires you to, to look at that and go, I don't care what I'm getting paid. Like I would have paid to be training full-time with the Broncos. Yeah. Um, I'd look back and go, oh, I would love to have been this close to playing the NRL and that's a sacrifice I would have taken 100% even without any guarantee of getting close. But so it's like, well, yeah, and so <laughs> it's a bad position. It's exactly. It's, and like you even let's say, let's say I trained with the Broncos first grade for three years and didn't debut. I got to train with Shane Webke, Petro Sivanasiva, Brad Thorne, Darren Lockyer, Justin Hodges, Carmichael Hunt. Like that, how much money would you pay for that? Yeah. Is there part of you that looks back on that period of your life and says that like you probably needed that? It's all a part, yeah, 100%, earning your stripes, like 100%. Like there's, I understand being fairly compensated and I understand like young fellas are also part of the squad. But at the same time, Young, let's say you're a young fellow, you come out of school and you're on 120K a year off the bat. <laughs> like, yes, technically you have earned that because you've been sacrificing since you were five years old to be that footy player or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, have you really earned 120K a year? Whereas like, and I, anyway, it's, it's, we could talk for hours on the topic. So I do think that if we can increase the minimum for sure, I think that, you know, that's almost... It could be a mixture of two things. A slight increase from the NRL, the club, top tier players, maybe getting together and, and kind of helping the, the lower tier kind of thing. Um, you know, when it comes to certainty and that, I do think like it's actually not, a, it's not about the financial stuff. I do think like this contract certainty and knowing what's happening and match fees, I do think that is really important. You need to know what you're getting into. For example, your internship. Even though it was zero dollars, you knew exactly what was happening. You were doing an internship, for a chance or a job, yep. or it would add to your resume. Yeah, you're learning, exactly. making contacts, all that sort of Yeah, things. whereas like, you, if you're a player and you're rocking up on a training trial like week to week, like am I even gonna be here next week? Maybe there could be a bit of certainty around there. So, you know, it may surprise some in regards to this. I do think that it'd be great for the bottom tier guys to get some more money, but at the same time, they're apprentices. They're apprentices, they're going for the big shot, they're going for the risky play. Everyone tells them when they're growing up, only a few of you are gonna play NRL, and they still take that chance, which is fine. But I think that, um, yeah, so it's, it's and, a And, and there are so many players that, like, 
genuine future NRL players that we lose around that anywhere from 18 to 23 mark mm. that go, you know what, I'm going to, you know, they might have financial commitments. They might have a kid, yeah. wife, paying off a house, something a like them, that. Yeah. And they go, I would love to continue my, my career of trying to cut the NRL and I think I can make it, but I'm going to take the safer approach and start building for the rest of my life and get my apprenticeship, get onto a full-time wage and mm. do that. And if that happens, and that's the choice players have to make. And well, I made it'd it. would be a tough one. There you go, yeah. yeah. I was, what, 26, 27? Mm. And, like, you know, I, I, I just I fell out of love of the game. But at the same time, one of my big decisions was, like, what's the difference between 40 NRL games and... 70 NRL games. I need to start my life now. Mm. I need to go and start my life after rugby league. Um, so, yeah, like, and, and I'm, I bet you any money there's someone listening to this right now, or a few blokes, or even women as well, that made that choice. They were 21 years old. They were relatively close, maybe playing Q Cup, doing all right. And they said, I've got a kid. That changes everything. Like, well, you go. Especially the guys over COVID the last few years. Yeah. A number of mates that it, it's been huge for New South Wales Cup. I can't talk for Queensland Cup, but I should. But New South Wales Cup has lost so many players. Yeah. Fringe guys that, that would have normally played till they were 26, 27. And at 21, 22, just went, I, I, I can't. How, how am I meant to live through the next two years? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think we're probably all on the fence with this one. Like, mm. bit of, not as. I think the medical one we're all pretty much like that should be more anyway uh, a new uh, first ever nrlw cba oh the hot topic why because those players don't have one and they deserve one a cba for women would provide the contract security players need and the full terms and conditions that would help protect them and their families a cba would give their game the best opportunity to attract and retain our talent i look there's there's a big part of the audience or some part of the audience and you know i would agree to it to a degree where the nrlw doesn't make money and it it may not make money for a long time and so i understand looking at it a business perspective the first thing would be they don't make enough money for a cba but i feel like that argument goes out the window because the players for years now have already decided the, the the men that we are going to give a portion of the revenue that we generate to help the women's game begin now it is slightly different because the men's game was not professional for about 100 years and the first time they started getting paid to my understanding was the australian side started taking percentages of the tickets and so there may be some people that well the, the women's game has to build itself but i think that don't we want to be in a world as blokes where if we are earning enough revenue to give the women an opportunity should we not strive to do that why punish them because we took so long to get professional also we have wives we have daughters you know mothers you know do you not want to be a part of the swell to give these guys girls more opportunity i think that we all kind of do want to be a part of that especially when the men generate so much revenue that the game can afford it the game can afford it do we not want to be on the right side of history you know let's say let's say in a crazy world the NRLW breaks even in 20 or 30 years. Like, it takes forever. Do you still not want to be a part of, like, let's say you've got a daughter and she loves rugby league and she watches it every week. Don't you want to be responsible for um, helping her have a pathway to do that? Whereas as I was growing up, women, like, I could walk around all day, all blokes, I want to be a professional athlete. I want to play. Like, a lot of women just didn't have that option. It's changing now. Um, now, I'm not sitting here saying you need to watch every NRLW game. I, you know, I think if the NRLW game is to succeed financially, it probably needs women to, to watch it. Um, 
But I do think if we have the money and the players are choosing to, then why not give them a CBA and just have a crack? The money is there, guys. The revenue that is generated by, you know, what was it, six months ago that the NRL talking about how well they were going and all the money that are making under Landy's, all that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think about this one, Guru? Yeah, and I hear that argument all the time. You know, the men had to wait X amount of years for a CBA. But, like, fuck, if, if there was another body that existed above the men's game 60 years ago that could have helped... It would have. Yeah. And that's the position we find ourselves in now. And I agree, mate. Like, I've I've got um, two young nieces that play footy and they, they absolutely love it. Like mm. I would say they love it more than my nephews that play footy. Mm. Absolutely love it. And, you know, they want to play in the NRLW. It's a, it's a real dream for all of them now. So, I yeah, I'm, I'm on board with this. Jimmy? Yeah, I think you summed it up really well, mate. And mm. it's – the rugby league, it's in an, an interesting position where – you know, we normally say it all starts at the grassroots and you build from there, but it goes hand in hand with what's happening at the top. And the NRL is just dominating at the moment. It's a massive business. It's a massive sport. It's uh, the most viewed sport in the country, bar none, and it's not including Origin. So it's more viewed than AFL now, more viewed in all those sports. So we're going, go- going yeah. good. And, and that's great. And it's, it's easy, I suppose, to probably get complacent <coughs> and go... We're good, we don't need to change much. Look, the game's thriving. But, you know, you look at it and I speak to so many parents who don't want their kids being boys or girls playing through juniors because they don't want them getting hurt and bash by. Particularly, I speak to a lot of parents who have quite little kids for their age. and like, mm. I don't want them playing against the, the bigger boppers. Um, and that's why I'm going, that's where I worry about the longevity of the game mm. because they're going to play soccer or Aussie rules or something like that. And it, it's similar with the NRLW where, all right, maybe they're not making a stack of money at the moment, but why can't they be in 15, 20, 30 years? And like when the NRLW launched in 2018, from then to now, the product has improved so much because we're starting to make investments into the game and we need to continue, even if it's at a loss for... 10, 20 years, if we, they can inspire the next generation of young girls who, as you said, Guru, uh, everyone's got nieces and cousins and family and friends who, who want to get into it and love it. League tag is massive. Um, that We need to give them you know, something to aspire to mm. and that's by growing it from the NRLW. <coughs> so, mate, and as you said, if the NRL players and that as a, a company are willing to give up a share as they have for the women, then give it to them. And if, that, if, the, NRL, if the CBA which it obviously is a part of this and can help grow that game, then uh, why not put it in place? The, just because they get a CBA doesn't mean they're going to ask for the world from it. It's mm. just a basic sort of assurance towards the future. So, Well, right now, the girls literally, if they get injured tomorrow, boom, they don't get a contract. Who's going to sign an injured chick that can't play that for the yeah. year or, or has to have six to eight weeks uh, recovery? And I think that's like every NRLW player I've spoken to, that's all they want is some assurance. Yeah. yeah. Anything. It's not like, even about like, the money. Like they all went so over and played in that World Cup thing. Fuck, if I get injured here, mm. I'm fucked. Mm. Yeah, it's so so. Yeah, I think um, it's just one of those things where even if you look at it like, okay, the game doesn't make money for sure when you look at it specifically. But if you take the bird's eye view out, what's a healthier game in twenty years for the NRL? A bunch of women watching it and a bunch of men watching it because a bunch of women are now involved in the game, or just men watching it. We make more money long term. So I'm just thinking business here. No, like do the right thing and let's let's build a platform for women. Just business perspective. You've got more eyeballs that are engaged with rugby league because the women's game is growing. So on top of all that, I can tell you right now, companies want to get involved with 
what, what are considered ethically good things to do. So more sponsors want to come on board. Um, so, some companies won't even go near it unless it is be given you know, opportunity to women. So even from a business perspective long-term, it's actually like, I know that the, the men players years ago did it just, they didn't think about business. They were just doing it out of, they, th- they felt it was the right thing. And we're talking guys like Cam Smith, DCE, these are the guys that really pushed this fund for the women's game. Um, and so they weren't thinking of business, but even from a business perspective long-term, it's more people engaged with the game. Like that's, that helps the game. So we can afford it. We've got the revenue to do it. We should do it in my opinion. I saw back home, Campy, like years ago when uh, League Tag was first introduced down down in Group 16, and we I think we we're a little bit behind sort of a few other areas, but it's been well cemented down there for a long time, and a lot of the women sort of pushed wanting tackle, but they've they've left it at they've sort of brought in smaller tackle tournaments, but it's all about League Tag and just what that did for the club uh, back home, and you see what it's done for other football groups, you know, rugby league is you know they go down three grades of blokes going at belted on the piss after it and have a few celebrations. It's now become, all right, the women are involved in it, um, mm. not just helping out and supporting. It's like they're an integral part of the club. Mm. And then the post-game function is, you know, families go back, the women go back, the friends go back, the numbers are great. And it's just a, it, it's just a better environment to be around. And, mm. and, like, I think if we can just continue to grow and grow that, um, and it starts at league tag and hopefully it culminates at NRLW and a better product there. Yeah, absolutely. And, like... It's, you know, during COVID when they didn't play, like I could understand that situation because the NRL, like we, it was such an uncertain times, mm. negotiations with networks, like sometimes tough decisions have to be made in regards to financial decisions, but that's done and dusted. We're in a good, reportedly, we're in a good financial position going forward under Vlandis. We should do it. It's the right thing to do. We've got the money to do it. Now, look, if in a few years time, the game's struggling for money, then obviously you have to just put money into the people that are, you know, driving revenue for your company. Um, but right now we have the money to look long-term. So let's look long-term. Let's do, um, I just think it helps the game. I think it helps the game. And, and this is coming from a guy that initially when, a, you know, a few years ago, even though as a, as a player, I'd be more than happy to support. I was still like, yeah, but it doesn't really earn that much money. But now as I get older, I understand business a little bit better and I understand the impact it can have long-term when it comes to like, in uh, participation, it's a win-win. It really is a win-win. Now that does that doesn't mean we have to pay the girls, you know, get them on two hundred grand contracts each in the top thirty squad. Like, still be responsible with it. Grow it slowly. Um, grow it safely. Don't introduce too many teams too soon because then there's just going to be blowouts. People aren't going to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that a CBA for the women would be a good a, a good thing for the game, a really good thing for and the as game. As you said, like the um, participation in the game, like I can only talk for our local area, and I'm sure Maddie will agree. But I remember as a kid, like there was footy posts at every single park. Mm. Like how many more soccer posts? How many more AFL posts are up now? Like I, I remember as a kid, we used to drive to Queensland twice a year. Like I did that drive two years ago, and I could not believe how many of these towns mm. now that only had footy fields, mm. soccer fields, they have fell posts everywhere. So You'd, on that one, Guru, at so St Greg's in Campbelltown, one of the hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The absolute heartland of schoolboy rugby league. Uh, about, what would have been, I suppose, 10 to 12 years ago now. I, the AFL crew rocked up one day and dropped off this mint set of AFL posts to them. And St. Greg's were like, no, nah, like, we don't want them. We're a rugby league school, not interested. So no cost. They're there. Put them in storage. If you ever want them in the future, they're there to use. Mm. They're like, well, sweet. They're free. No dramas. Guess what they started playing a few years later? Aussie rules. Yeah. And it's just like, that is such a simple thing. But AFL, for a lot of years, have probably been better at you know, looking to the future yeah, and massively. building 30 to 50 years down the track. Yep. And that's just the small side of it. And you just said they're everywhere now popping yeah. up. And like, as you know, I, before I was doing all this, I was a teacher and the AFL team used to come to school. The Swans used to come to school. Mm. Compare it to the NRL clubs. The Swans were blowing it out of the water. The kids, yeah. they were so much more, they would come in, you know, <laughs> they'd give um, a little show bag. Like I remember one year, the, the Swans arrived and you got a full Swans football, a hat and everything. Oh, wait, an NRL club arrived. You got a packet of toothpaste. <laughs> like, can you imagine the, these 12, Was 13 it year old Sensitive kids? toothpaste, guru? <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember sitting there going, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Like, you saw the AFL balls for the rest of the year in the playground. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, again, these long term looking at the future, it's really important. And whether it's a guy or girl, we want them into rugby yeah. league. Just with the, I'm just going to compare it to the AFL. CBA for the women. So they locked theirs in in May last year. They've got 18 clubs in their women's comp. And so that's 540 players. And their average salary is about 46K, which is... Did you say 46K? 46K. Oh my God. Yeah. They paid more than me. And um, (laughs) over about 40 players are on about 100K or more. And now when you said NRL has more more views than AFL. I went and looked at the article. It went into the women's and last year, more people watched NRLW than yep, AFL. They did. So it's, it's just right. a comparison. Right like, there. again, look at that business move. And if you are a parent with kids and if like a parent with, um, a parent with kids, well, if you're a parent with kids. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got two, a couple of young girls or you're a business, what's a more appealing product for you as a parent the one that has 18 teams a massive cba 46 grand did you say 46 42 46 average salary 46 grand average salary what are you going to be more enticed to put your kid into it's going to be into afl and what's the crazy thing is even with all the money they're putting into it nrlw is still outperforming them when it comes to viewership uh so there's actually we should be sitting there with our eyes lighting up going this is a huge opportunity. Let's capitalise. Um, okay, now, uh, a new past players program. Why? Because the game does not, uh, does now, what the game does now is not enough. Players' careers are getting shorter and the game is faster and harder. It can be all over at any moment. You don't always get to choose when that moment is. We need to help the NRL and NRLW players transition. Yeah, I mean, look, no-brainer. Yep. No-brainer. Like, you know, and I think a lot of industries could help people transition out a little bit more. I understand it costs money, but again... This is, this is something where the, the, the likelihood of them transitioning out and never being able to do it again and going to another career is quite high. Mm. So I think that's a no-brainer. Fair agreement rights, why? 
because players need to agree to all core, t- core terms of employment. Once they are agreed, they shouldn't be able to change again without the player's agreement. Those are basic and common employee right, employment rights. Players should have, have them. Agreement rights include hours worked, obligations, number of matches played, wage structure, when players can secure a contract, pregnancy and parental policies, and fines, which are illegal in other workplaces. I think this is, we all agree. Yep. As employee, have being employed is somewhere else, you want to know that things can't be changed or the drop of a hat. Improved injury hardship fund. Um, it accounts for this because it needs to account for the additional eligible players. More than 250 across 10 women's teams and the Dolphins coming into the CBA model. It needs to be expanded to also support players who suffer serious injuries and can't secure a new contract until fully re- rehabilitated. I think that that should be pretty standard, to be honest. You're injured at work. A fair share of revenue. Because players, clubs and states generates the money for the game, it is reasonable for players to have a share, fair share of revenue they bring in. If players help the game generate more money than it expects, they should get their fair share. That share isn't just going into salaries. Players want it to fund new programs and benefits that will support current, future and past players. I think it's like, yeah, they should get a fair percentage. Like whatever the... So I was looking it up. I think like the industry percentage that I was looking up and apologies, some industries will be different. It's like anywhere from 20 to 30%. So you would think the NRL that is around 33 at the moment and apparently they got offered less percentage for a, a 10 year career, like as in the fact that their employees are only in it for, well not 10 year, it's fucking two year. You'd think the percentage should be around the 34, 35% mark. I think that's a pretty fair mm. place to land, 33 even. Um, and I don't think the players would be much asking much more than that. If anything, I think the players did come out a bit ago and say, we just want the same percentage as what we've already had for the last five years. Um, anyway, now on to segment two. Uh, 160 USA rugby league players are on notice and ready to fly to Australia should the current group of players go on strike. This is reported, um, was it news.com.au? Uh, I saw it on the Daily Telegraph. Daily Telegraph? But yeah. yeah um, Keanu Reeves and the replacements getting the call up. The Rocks all he's starting front row for the front row. This has got to be this has got to be a porky pie pulled from the just the journo's bag. Look, yeah. it's a bit quiet. Throw it out there. The replacements movies made about it. All that get the get the romance going. The nostalgia. This can't be serious. I uh, fuck. I hope not. I highly doubt this is a serious thing going on right now. On the off chance that even it is real, like. Surely there's 160 New South Wales Cup players you could bring up before you brought in 160 yeah. US players. <laughs> but like, and also like US, like, surely like Super League, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like the USA or what? Um, so look, one of the great uh, nothing hey, stories. Have you heard the story about the guy that played for Newcastle in the 90s? But he, can you do all? He came from the Philadelphia Eagles. He came over and said he, you know, done this, he'd yeah, done yeah. that. And it just went to complete shit. Didn't know where to stand, didn't know what to do. I think he, Mate. I think he ended up playing two first grade games or something, but they reckon it was a I don't think there. anyone wants to watch essentially local league, if not worse, standard footy. Yeah. Oh. Um, so this is a great, a great porky pie because I just can't. If this is true, holy heckers. Surely better decisions than that. Yeah, his name was Greg Smith and That's he it. was accused of misrepresenting his time with Philadelphia. <laughs> To earn a contract with Newcastle. That's and then he played one game and vanished after that. Mom does. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.